0: Well, I've been really encouraged during the day because many of the young people in the school have uh, come and said, we're praying for your eyes, which is absolutely wonderful because today they really markedly improved. So I hope by Friday I can get rid of these sunglasses and uh, actually get back to looking normal, which may not be a... Oh, I won't go there. Um, well, I tell you what... Um, We have an interesting night tonight because Pastor Nathan has uh, picked the topic and uh, I have to give it. But you see, I've been coming to this church for many, many years and he keeps picking some of the same topics. But the good thing is the Bible says the whole of creation actually declares God's power. And I don't think even if I kept coming for 80 or 90 or 100 years, uh, I would run out of what to talk about to glorify God because of his handiwork. Now, you're going to have to excuse me a moment while i actually find uh, this switched off uh, in being up here. So let me just put this in here and see what I can find. Whoops, not there. Now, did that picture come up? Yes, it did. That's great. You will notice as you came in, we have a row of books over there. Like many, many businesses and ministries, July is spent doing our end of financial year stock takes and all of that. So if you want to be a beneficiary uh, of the uh, stock taking all the girls in the office have done, have a look at the wonderful prices out there, $5 and $10 only, really, really Take bags of them home because we'd much rather you had them uh, than we had them at the moment. But I'll talk more about that later. See the topic that Pastor has picked? The evidence down under. Well, some of you have been here all week and you've wandered along the back tables looking at the fossils. And we've told you all about Jurassic Arc. And we've also mentioned that this is about 0.1% of all the fossil evidence God has enabled us to collect over many, many years, and uh, I've loved collecting rocks. Uh, Jesus is, is the person who said the stones would cry out his praises. This one is up the back. Have you noticed it? In fact, many people can recognise the starfishes. Um, some people can recognise the trilobites. Uh, trilobites, three lobes. You can see the three bits in it. But most people say, what are those funny Y-shaped things? Well, the funny thing is they still live on the Barrier Reef. It's just you never get to see them. Starfish are still here. The funny little crinoid things are still here. And the trilobites are gone. But if you get really up close, you see I've got tons of this fossil material. And uh, can you see the starfish there, Right, right in the middle left there? And can you see the one right beside it? I keep telling the boys and girls... Most people look, very few people see. And people say, oh, that's interesting, fossil starfishes. But what they don't notice is one's upside down and one's the right way up. This is a fossil dump where the creatures have been washed in and dumped in whatever position they got to. It's marvellous what the evidence down under the ground tells you. That bed is hundreds and hundreds of kilometres long no, I'm not going to tell you where it is because I want those specimens. Oh, well, you can come to our big museum and see them. You see, this bed here is 700 kilometres long that I got this from. Can you see the little jellyfishes? Now, you know very well that jellyfishes, when they get cast out on the beach, they melt. Isn't that true? There's nothing to them, really. They're 95%, 96%, 97%, 98%, 99% water. But yet if they get buried real fast they make lovely fossils. And the point we've been making all week is if you're struggling with the six days of creation, if you're struggling with Noah's flood, forget having millions of years because if things took a long time to get buried, there wouldn't be any fossils. So please, have a look at all those fossils. They're one of the best indicators that rocks don't tell you about long periods of time. I mean, look, I got this one from out near Lightning Ridge. You see a big batch of... Well, some people who are fishermen say so that's their pippi shells, their little clam shells, yeah, and, and they're all shut. And most people look, very few people see the starfish that's there. Oh, do you see its arms are curved over the shells? Some of you have even walked out in Morton Bay and noticed when the starfish dies, it goes stiff and then it falls apart. This starfish was buried climbing over the rocks. And that's the reason the little pippy shells are still shut. Because when they die, they open up. You see them on the beach. They're called butterfly shells. Amazing what's out there. And if you polish them up, oh, aren't the opalised shells beautiful? Yep, they really are. Um, All of those were buried alive. Not time, but process. Oh, and can you notice what's in there? Oh, well, look, there's a nice deep sea shell and I bought this rock back from... I'd been on an expedition over to Germany and this rock comes from Germany in the southern part of Germany and the interesting thing is the branch is the branch of an Australian pine tree. Yeah, it is. You know, what's interesting about the rocks is what they don't tell you in the museums. Not what they do tell you, but what they don't tell you. Uh, have you ever noticed the seashells living amongst the pine tree branches? No. So something has removed the pine branches and dumped them with the deep sea shells. And I get many people say, oh, I couldn't believe in Noah's flood. And my first question is, what are you looking for? You see, God tells us, Jesus came to earth as God, as man, and he told us, you love me with your brains. That's the first and greatest commandment. So when you are looking at the evidence down under, you not only have to go looking, you have to go thinking. And I'll be blunt. One reason for such trash on television today, one reason for such rubbish in the media is to stop you thinking. Yeah. And it succeeds with most people. They don't look at that deep sea shell and the pine branch and even ask, what are they? Many of them say, oh, that's really pretty. And isn't that awesome? And they never stop to think that that supposedly 100 million year old crocodile, which is sitting in my back shed and is a great indicator that crocodiles used to be, I mean, the, the jaw is two metres long. This was a crocodile and a half. Can you see why we want a big, big museum building to show all this off? Because you don't see that in the museums, do you? And you haven't seen an Australian pine branch with a shell out of a rock from Germany. By the way... Even if you thought that was 100 million years of age, it just tells you crocodiles have turned into crocodiles. But they've gotten smaller. Hmm. Yep, there's one of our specimens. The young guy on the left is the guy who helped me bring all the fossils up. He'll be coming back tomorrow to collect them. And look at some of the great specimens the Lord has enabled us to get over the years. Oh, can you see? One, two, three. One, two, three. So in the 1780s, when a man saw these, he thought, I wonder what I'll call them. Three, oh, they spoke Latin in science in those days. Three was tri. And these were bits, so he ended up with bit. And they looked like lobes on your ears, so he called it a tri-lobe bit. Trilobite. That's where the names, isn't that easy? By the time you don't think, you look at those words, oh, it's too hard for me, I don't understand this. No, God gave you eyes, God gave you a brain. He expects you to say, hey, God never lies. So if he said he made the world in six days, we must have the evidence wrong if we can't see what's the proof of it. I mean, look at this little guy in my collection. Do you know, he was buried going, and he hasn't moved since. And look at this guy. Their legs are still out. In fact, if you dissect these, Uh, you will find their nervous system is still preserved inside. The last thing they did was... (coughs) Yeah. Not time, but process. Not slow, but fast. And as a result, we've set up museums around the planet, mostly on a small scale, because this guy here's only got about 15,000 fossils. That's Martin, our Canadian rep, and he's a brilliant field collector. So we've helped him over the years to set up a creation museum. There was an old Baptist church going to rack and ruin, so we took over the abandoned basement and the church upstairs now is really cooperative. And uh, you can pray for Martin because the guy with him there is a professor from the local university who's fully on side. I tell you what, it's great when God reaches into people's hearts and drags their mind into the kingdom of God too. So pray for us as we work in Canada. Pray for us with our new project. Um, There we are on the beautiful Tamar River. Hey, Australia's got a biblical background. Tamar's in the Bible. Uh, They didn't teach you the real history of Tasmania? When you go to Tasmania, you'll see all sorts of names, but they mostly only come out of two books because the surveyor who was given the job only had two books. One was the, you know that Arab book about the dance of the 14 veils? Yeah, he had that book. And the other book was the Bible. So he picked all the names out of the Bible or out of that Arab book on lovemaking and things like that. Oh, and right beside the Tamar, we have the coming creation discovery centre due to open in September. Yesterday afternoon, after I'd finished at the school, we went down and we packed up a whole heap of fossils, including another giant crocodile, which is all now waiting to go down. So pray for this as that project goes ahead. We'd love you to pray for it and support all of these things that Creation Research is doing around the globe. And I'll show you one of the fossils that will really catch people's eyes. You see, the Tamar River is famous for seawater world, where they grow seahorses. And uh, I gave them, donated many years ago, a fossil because the owner of Seahorse World, he was an expert in this sort of thing, and so when I showed him that fossil, can, can you see the dried one in the front and that brown line in the back? You see, right underneath his building, you can catch living pipefishes. Oh, there's a fossil one. In fact, what you find is it doesn't matter whether it's clamshells, pippies, starfishes, or pipefish. What you've done is find evidence down under that God's word is true. Uh, I I keep telling people that you don't have to look very far to see the evidence that God has told you things as they actually are. 10 times in Genesis, he says he created things each after their own kind. Um, Remember the point I made many, many years ago when I first came here? If something is said in the Bible only once, you feel free to have your opinion I'll feel free to have mine, and after we get to be in heaven, and the Lord's leading the Bible studies, oh, they'll be much better than anything I do, and and He'll say, "See, I told you, ten times." Oh, but if something's only mentioned once, we'll probably both find we were wrong in what we were thinking about it. Ten times is a bit hard to miss. You see, see that big scallop shell on the rock. I lugged that down from the mountains of Tasmania in central Tasmania and I gave it to Craig who's managing this new museum and do you see that little scallop shell out of the river? I tell you what, that rock in the background is supposed to be 200 million years old. Do you realise that's older than you? (laughs) And me and everybody added all together and yet there hasn't been one student come into this building who can't say hey, that's a fossil scallop shell. It's so obvious. You don't even need to know its name. You could say, that's the same as this. The name is just arbitrary after their kind. And, of course, there's a biblical point to all this. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today and forever. God as Christ never changes And God has stamped his nature on the whole of creation. So if you're a Christian who, like me, was tempted to say God used evolution, forget it. Evolution is where things keep changing and God doesn't. So don't be surprised that carrots always have seeds that turn into some kind of... Oh, that's that's almost naively ridiculous, isn't it? But it's true. It's so simple, even a child can understand it. So don't be surprised, we post Craig, you can pray for him. He's not only going to put up with me and all the fossils I send to him, he's got to run the new creation discovery centre and you can keep up with us on Instagram. Now for those of you who didn't understand that word Instagram, it means you're probably over 55 and don't worry about it. All right? It's one of these cool means of keeping in touch and we try to post up something every week. But you can pray for Craig. And pray for this whole project. Pray that all the fossils will get down there without being smashed or broken. We spend hours packing them to avoid that <coughs> and support these projects. It's quite amazing. I found out something yesterday I never knew before. <coughs> when you're shipping something to Tasmania, it has to go across the sea, doesn't it? Okay, let's imagine you have one container on this ship full of fossils and the ship sinks and oil gets all over the coast. How much do you think you've got to pay to fix that up? You say nothing? That's what I would have said. And work like that, if you have $1,000 worth of postage in your, your shipping container, and that represents one-ten-thousandth of the value of the ship's load, then you're up for one-ten-thousandth of the cost of keeps. You didn't know that you had to fix up the oil if you just put a postal? It's true. Man, the expensive insurance for shipping this stuff is unbelievable. So you want to help us with all that, we'd encourage you to do so. By the way, any young men or middle-aged men looking for a calling from God, you've got a bit of science background, Um, you're looking at a living fossil up the front here. I'm really pleased God has raised up a young man called Joseph. But he's in England and he's doing his geology degree. He's doing really well. And God has called him into the ministry. And I was thrilled just last week when a businessman said, when you want to bring him out here, I'll pay the airfare. And Joseph is over the moon. I mean, come and visit all of his relatives who came out here as convicts and all of that sort of stuff. Be fantastic. Better be a blessing. But we need some young men here. Uh, and, uh, and some men who know God's word and God's work because we have the biggest ones of the museums right here in Queensland. We've been telling you about it over and over again during the week. We've been telling you about some of the fossils. We've been reminding you that we have an open day for free on September the 2nd. Uh, free barbecues, free tea and coffee, no free books. Though. You have to buy the books and they'll be dearer than the ones on the 5 and $10 table. I'm warning you now. But it goes from 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock and we'll be giving you a brand new look at all the new dinosaurs and things like that because our whole aim is to make that point over and over again. You're here tonight. I'm assuming many of you would regularly come to a Bible study on Wednesday night. That's wonderful. But the Lord has opened the door for me to be here and to be in Jurassic Park and to remind people that all of those opinions... One of the young men asked me as I was getting ready up the back... He said, you know, if we can see the star, the light from stars that's a long way away, how could that be if God made the world in just six days not all that long ago? And, you know, when you understand what the Bible says, the problem disappears. You say, how? Okay, the person who wants the starlight to have taken millions of years to get here always assumes the light started from the star. But when you know your Bible... It said God made the light before he made the stars. Now you mightn't be able to explain how he did that, but that just proves you're not God. Right? Ah, don't, don't be ashamed if there's something you can't prove as long as you can tell people, hey, you don't even have an issue here because God said the light was there first. Your problems disappeared. Our job is to remind people there are plenty of opinions and theories that disagree with the Bible, but the facts never do. Yes, I know your opinion that the light started at the star contradicts the Bible, but the evidence does not. God's Word is true from the beginning. Oh, I find it simpler because of my geology background to say, listen, look at the rocks. They're crying out the praises of a God who never changes. That's why starfishes will always look like and because of sin, some of them will die out because sin brings death and things do die out. Tragic but true. All right, you can pray for Daryl. He's our curator up at Jurassic Park. And I shared with you last time when I was here that we'd put in December 2014 a pit with lots of bones in it. We have some people up and down the countryside who donate dead cows, dead pigs, um, dead deer, you name it, right? Um, then we filled it in. And then we had a group come and dig it all up. Because we were just setting up to show people how you actually do excavate bones. Um, many people think, well, you want to find a dinosaur or it's a big creature, bring in a D8 and dig it up. Now you smash it all. So you actually have to use little sticks and poke down until you find the bones and excavate it very carefully. That's why we made that pit. But when we dug them up, three months after burying them, we were surprised. You see, in April 2015, these had only been buried in December. um, There's a white bone on the left, that one hadn't been buried. And there's a white bone on the right that had been buried. Now it's brown. And when we sent it to the laboratory, the one on the right had 450 parts per million of iron in it, and it was heavy. Oh, and you're told you pick up a bone and if it's heavy, it's being petrified. It's been in the ground for a long time because it takes a long time to turn a rock into a fossil. Nonsense. It doesn't take time. It takes a process. And if you don't have any iron in the ground, the bone will never soak up iron. Isn't that simple? It is. It actually is so simple. Why didn't they teach you this? You see... The point that the devil loves to confuse people is to try and get you sidetracked with trying to think out how long will it take chemicals to evolve into life? And you sit down, you work out the maths of this chemical and that chemical. But you know what you should be doing? Um, You you know dice, you play dice, you roll dice in Monopoly and all that sort of stuff? Um, I've got a question. You take one dice, I want to know how many times you'll have to throw it how many million years you'll have to throw it before you score the number seven? (laughs) Do you realise you can't do it? Time will never do that because the dice doesn't have seven as a property. In the same way as the chemicals you're trying to link together simply don't have the property of organising themselves. But Billy Bloggs, the scientist, he can join them together. In the same way, God could join them together. And don't be surprised, we're made in the image of God who is the creator. But now that we're sinners, be a little bit scared because we're trying to make life just like he did. And we want to be in charge of that life and make it do what we want it to do. Very frightening. Hey, do you recognise this pair of Scalimudgeons? Yeah, yeah. And look, there's one of them's got a weapon. He's already drilling through one of my bones because we're setting up a new experiment. We're going to bury, not the kid... Uh, We're going to bury the bones and then we're going to take them out month by month and measure the amount of iron to figure out how quickly it actually comes out of the ground. We even have a different sort of iron in this pit than the other one and then we filled it up and left it and waited. Well, Not very long because we had some visitors come up from South Australia We had visitors from Holland on Friday. we got visitors from Melbourne tomorrow. This batch came up from South Australia. We said, come on, you can be the first here. Dig up these bones that Brother Dave helped us to find and bury. Hmm, he's doing it. Ah, we're digging deeper. We're brushing it off. The bones were put in. Come on, Dave, they were white, weren't they, when you donated them? Bleached bones. Okay. By the time, oh, can you see the orange bit on one of them? These had been in there two weeks and the iron had already started to go into them. Don't be surprised, the rocks underneath already have iron in them. And when the rocks get wet, the iron come on, some of you know iron gets into water because you've had bores in the backyard out west. And then when you actually get, have you made a cup of tea on bore water? Okay, what happens, folks? You get your tea bag, you boil the tea water, and you put your tea bag in, and suddenly the cup goes brown. Isn't that true? Yeah, it is. Because if you've got iron in the water, the tea bag has actually got tannin in it, and tannin's acidic, and iron will not stay dissolved in acidic water, so it goes ka thunk. Chemically, we call that the brown ring test. It's a test for iron, it really works every time. But the iron is coming up, and it's settling out in the bone. Not in two million years, not in 200,000 years, not in two years, but in two weeks. Have I mentioned that it's not time but process? Oh, good. That's why I love to tell people, hey, listen, if you can't understand how God could make the world in six days, again, it only proves you're not God because time will never make a world no matter how long you give it. Process does. And intelligence is required if you want to have an efficient process. And that rules out many of us, doesn't it? I mean, we are so low key, but compared to God as the creator. Now, that's Ken Ham's Creation Museum in the USA. And no, we don't want to go that fancy because over there, everything is a tax deduction. That's true. We're not like that here in Australia. He'd already spent $25 million on that. <sighs> Hard to believe, isn't it? And $100 million on his ark. Now, we'll never sort of see that sort of money here as far as I know. But we would love to have a big building somewhere between the you know, Caloundra Airport, the Southport Airport, Toowoomba Airport and Brisbane Airport or right next door to this church or whatever. Somewhere uh, where many, many people can get exposed. So the research needs support. We'd encourage you if the Lord's blessed you with not only spare loaves of bread that are sitting out there, but uh, real dough, then I'd encourage you actually think through it. And also, come and see what we've enjoyed success wise um, on September the 2nd on the open day. And one way you can encourage us, have a look at the new dinosaur DVDs that are there, have a look at the really good end of financial year sales that are actually there too. Okay, Evidence Down Under, part two. Who is God? What's your answer? What's your answer? Who is God? try in being. Hey, that's pretty good for this time of night. Because you see I was in Monash University in Melbourne and I was talking about all about the evidence of creation and creator. And as we were going through a student put up his hand and he was there definitely from India. And and he was a Hindu and he said, "And what is the name of your god?" You see as a Hindu he had 300 million gods. And I asked him, you know, I'll tell you the name now. His name is Jesus, because the Bible says all things were created by Jesus Christ. And then I said, come and talk to me afterwards. And he came and talked to me afterwards and said, who is your God again and what is he like? So I explained what Jesus was like. And he said, oh, that sounds very good. I would like to add this God to mine. I said, I'm sorry, you can't do that. But in case you're a little bit puzzled, You see, how this gentleman answered it is correct. Do you remember when we saw the bombing in Manchester uh, and you saw the video on the phones? Did you notice the most common statement that was recorded on the videos? Oh, my God. Hmm. And they text you, OMG, correct? When anybody says that to you, use the opportunity to say, And which God is your God? Because the funny thing is, God needs to be defined. God is not a name, God is actually a title, a position. Uh, The God in Genesis is the one who made everything in just six days. So he's not the God of the bishop in England who believes God used millions of years. Because you see, the Bible gives you a definition. You want to know who's in charge? You want to know who's at the top? This is the God who said, let there be light. Or as he said, he's a triune being. God the Father, God the Son. All of these are definitions, but none are yet a name. So let's help you. The word God comes from where that arrow hits in India. India has gods everywhere. I take schools in India, just like I do it over here. Uh, This school was financed by that business in there. None of those kids had any money. They had to leave their uniforms at school. They would do no homework. There was no lights in their little poverty-stricken hovels because this school was in the middle of that district. How would you like your streets to look like that? But not far away, you had temples like this. Unbelievable money in India. Please never feel sorry for the Indians because they don't have money. They have more money in India than you and I will ever see. Their problem is a false religion that says, if you are born poor, you deserve to be poor. If I am born wealthy, I deserve to be wealthy. You may very well evolve by reincarnation up to me, but at the moment you're where you deserve. Hmm. Hinduism. It's, uh, it's what produces poverty in India, not lack of money, not lack of food. A false religion that says, thou shalt not eat cows. Have you been to India? I've been to India. There are cows everywhere. They even let them poo in their lounge if they've got one because cows are sacred. Bulls aren't. They had feminism long before we started getting it over here, right? Yeah. Gods, gods, gods. In the museums, all sorts of gods, they've got names. And hence this student said, I'd like to add this god, your, your god, to mine. I don't know how many gods he thought he had, but if you go to many Indian shops today, you can see them lined up on little altars. They're the special gods. But you see, these gods, um, the word God has to have a name or you're just talking about the chief one. There were the headlines when I was in India last, the god of cricket, Sachin Tendulkar. They weren't being blasphemous. They just meant he's the best cricketer. And aren't we Aussies glad he retired? Man, we're the best again. He whopped us big time. It's interesting the words that come from India because most of our English language has its base in Indian roots and the word God is one of them. But neither in Hebrew nor in English is the word God a name. Same as the word king. Do you mean King Henry or do you mean King Philip? Which king do you mean? King by itself is just the position. Do you mean God Jesus or God Allah? You need to know. So when a Muslim's talking to you and he says, I believe in God, you have to say, which God? And if he says the same as yours, you say, oh, no, 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 my God, his name is Jesus. Is your God Jesus? Oh, all of a sudden there's a divide. When I was over there, I picked up a copy of the uh, Mahabharata. Um, I know this is not normal, but I'm weird. Um, it was written in the 8th to 9th century BC. Not that we have any copies going back to that. And that illustration you can still download from the web. You say, what is it? Well, there's interesting stories in the Mahabharata, uh, particularly if you go from the first person who's called the first Manu, and then you go through seven cycles of them till we're up to the seventh Manu, who's the key one as far as you and I are concerned. There's a story about a big flood. In Manu's day. Uh, In fact, there's a boat. There's a big whale saving them. There's even a black swan. Hey, Indians have got it right, hey? None of this white British stuff. Um, Okay, and can you count the number of people in the boat? There's eight. Hey, and this big flood came. The big flood drowned everybody. Only these eight people survived. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, okay. And we all come from the person Manu, and so we take his name. We call ourselves Man. Hmm. Okay, interesting, hey? But then don't be surprised. Doesn't the Bible say that all the families on the planet are the descendants of Noah and his three sons? So don't be surprised the ones who went to India Um, Did they get Sanskrit as a language from Babel? We don't know. But what we do know is Sanskrit penetrates English and all European languages, even shows up in Hebrew. Ah, These were the family, the sons of Noah, according to the generations in their nation. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Question. You will love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul and your mind. You will think. Given that that statement is true, you are the descendant of Who? Noah, and through Noah, back to Adam. And there is the key to evangelism. You see, anybody who wants to start the Bible and Christianity from Genesis 12, which many theological colleges do, loses all purpose in evangelism. Because Genesis 12 is about Abraham. Which two nations on the planet come from Abraham? Ishmael and the Arabs and the Jews, correct? That's that's what it's about. Oh, before that, you and I, black people, white people, Chinese people, Aborigines, etc., all come from Noah. Hey, do you want to be politically incorrect? The Aborigines have not been here for 60,000 years. Noah's ark was not 60,000 years ago. Boy, does this get you into trouble, but it's also helpful if you ask, what would the evidence be? You do recognise those, don't you? Good. But um, what is the one with a big hook? You see, the curved ones are throwing sticks which come back, the famous returning boomerang. Now, the one with the hook doesn't come back. It's actually a killing boomerang. Um, I'm really pleased. We helped the young teacher many years ago who finally became a missionary to the Wolperi people and he became a world expert in their language. And recently I said, could you talk to the elders and get us permission to have a lot of their weapons? So we got it all officially and for our creation museum we have a lot of Aboriginal weapons. Oh, and if you go to the Northern Territory because that's where they come from and you ask them what they call that pointy stick, just listen. You see, there's no doubt about it, the Aboriginals in Australia provably come from somewhere near the Suntail Hills in India. You see over there they have curved throwing sticks. Over there They look an awful lot like Aboriginals. Oh, they're not Aboriginals, they're Indians. That's an Aboriginal. Isn't that interesting? And you see, genetically, it's provable as well. Um, You know, there are some people that say, we don't want to use the word race, but race is a very useful word. Um, The Aboriginal race provably came from India because the busted genes in the Indians around the Santal region are only found in Aboriginals. You know, you can prove if you're a genetic Jew because the Jewish race has one disease that nobody else on the planet gets. If you have a family member who has Tay-Sachs disease, you are genetically a Jew. Nobody else on the planet gets that. You see, what it means is somewhere after Judah gave rise to the group of Jews, somebody important in that family line got a disease. And that disease has passed through every member since. And the same is true with the Aborigines. They they surveyed 966 complete mitochondria. Oh, you don't even know what some of those words mean. It really doesn't matter. What matters is they actually showed that the defects in Aboriginal genes come from the same defects that we find in India. That's why when you go to the Northern Territory, you will notice they have dingoes, and they have dingoes somewhere else. And you'll notice they have a killing stick, but their word for killing stick is Kali. Anybody recognise that word? Kali is the goddess of death in India. Ah, I'm going to kill you with this stick, bro. Um, Yeah, Kali. You want to follow up any more? You see, the reason you take the gospel to the Aborigines is not because they've been here for 60,000 years. The reason you take the gospel of the Aborigines is that they, like you, descended from Adam through Noah via Babel and their problem is not land rights. Their problem is not alcohol. They're the consequences of their problem. Their problem is actually sin. And the only solution is not government grants. Their only solution is Jesus Christ. Same as it is for a European. It's just that your problem showed up in a different way. They have a natural philosophy of life. You have a materialistic, greedy philosophy of life. Do you struggle with greed and want? you want money? You don't work with Aborigines. It doesn't matter much to many of them. But look, here I am just outside that school in India. Can, what can you see in it? Yeah, that's their automatic free rubbish collection system. And it eats it up. And if you're wondering where you've seen dogs like that, come with me to Fraser Island. You see, India is full of dingoes. And it's easy to prove the dingoes arrived in Australia actually, provably, the same way. Genetically, you can prove it, they came from India. Um, The dingo bears a similar skeletal resemblance to the Indian pariah dog. In fact, there's the dingo, there's the pariah dog. Uh, The prior dogs are skinny because nobody feeds them. There are dogs everywhere in India and they just eat the rubbish up. But what's interesting is, quote unquote, from this lovely publication in 2004, the ningo population formed either from a very few dogs. Don't they have one interesting genetic aberration? What's one thing they can't do? They can't bark. They can... And they can chase you, and also, but they actually have a hereditary disposition against barking. Probably as few as a single pregnant female or a small group of dogs. They had radically lost genetic variation through one or several bottlenecks on their way from the Asian mainland. Oh, you, you don't need to worry about that except to realise that when you compare the length of genes in the dogs and the number of genes with the dingoes, then the dingoes stand out as a group that's only come from one or maybe two mothers. Hmm. And it would have taken at most 5,000 years for this to happen. You say, 5,000 years? Hang on, and you tell me there's no evidence the Bible is true? The Bible tells me that everybody descended from Noah. So the Aborigines descended from Noah and they definitely went through India. And when you talk to the Moon and Jali tribe, like I haven't talked to many tribes, it is interesting to hear their version of how they got here. You see, just over the border, they have a story that says, we left the middle of the world after much war and fighting. And when we got here, we discovered the spirits in the trees and the hills, and we began to worship them. Hmm. Actually, that's interesting, because... They forgot also after that how to make steel. They had to make stone weapons again. Interesting, the history of the world. By the way, how long ago was Noah's flood? 10,000 years? 8,000 years? You see, even if you are an unbeliever and you start with Genesis chapter 10 and you figure out all the values from then till now, you'll notice you only seem to get about 5,000 maybe. If you're pushing it, it's really hard to do any more. Um, Were there dogs on Noah's Ark? Yes, because they don't swim all that well for a year and ten days. Agreed? Yeah. I wonder if they each had two fleas. Oh, we won't go there. Um, Interesting thing is, you see, if you start with at least three pairs of dogs, then you don't need millions of years to produce all the other dogs. In fact, what we discover is the healthiest dog on the planet is the wolf. The wild wolf is the most genetically healthy dog on the planet. So don't be surprised that all those dog theorists actually say, this is the longest living dog, the, the best dog. And all the others have been bred from it. Makes you wonder why the British actually produce weird looking bulldogs, doesn't it? And look at some of the Great Danes and some of the weirdo Pekingese and... Hmm. Eventually, the domestic dog. By the way, the dog is the hairy one on the right, in case you're a little confused. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and we give them names, Canis, Lupus, Familiaris. You see, Canis is just Latin for dog. Canis, Lupus refers to the wolf as a dog. And Familiaris means it's the dog, like a wolf, you're familiar with. Isn't that true? Actually, if you notice one thing, dogs are not regarded with much favour in the Bible. So by the time of the days of Jesus, dogs were unclean. They were under the table so they were becoming a little bit familiar and we bred the ones that were easiest to get along with and now, well, here's my dog. There's my wife too. Um, for those of you who are confused. <laughs> and my dog would be best classified as Canis lupus familiaris. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and look at all the types of dogs. From the gigantic Great Danes right down to the tiny little Chihuahuas. And you know one thing? We give them all sorts of names, but these are not different species. These are actually the same type of creature, including this one, who is He never gets domesticated, really, does he? He always seems to have that, wow, I've got to go and wander on my own sort of feeling. And if you want to put it together, then there's a Bible picture. God created excuse me, dogs, unrelated to any other creature on the planet. They're not related to bears, they're not related to fishes, they're not even related to you. I always wonder why dogs have a characteristic that I've never noticed in any other creature. They actually seek out people. I mean, I know even the dingo does this because I was camped in the bush one night and uh, when I woke up, there's dingo tracks all around my camp. They came and investigated You've probably had that experience too, Dave. They're silent, but they come and they seek out people. And some of them don't want to go. I mean, they want the food. They want to scratch. They want to pat. Amazing. The Bible says God created things separately and each after their own kind. And, you know, in all the time we've been playing with dogs, we've managed to produce dogs from dogs. And we've managed to produce some ugly dogs from dogs. Isn't that true? And we've managed to produce some cute dogs from dogs and some big ones. And some little ones. And it hasn't taken more than a few thousand years. And after a few thousand years, it is easy to recognise that a Chihuahua is a dog. Just put it up against a telegraph post. Yeah, they they all do that, don't they? Oh, the theory of evolution says fishes turned into amphibians, turned into reptiles, turned into mammals, some of which became wild dogs. Question: Have you ever seen anything like that happen? No, neither have I. So never let anybody tell you this is a scientific theory, because isn't science supposed to be based on observation? That's why Paul said, even to young Timothy, "Beware of false science that leads you astray." Some of you know the name Richard Leakey as one of the world's leading atheists. His father went uh, to—sorry, his grandfather went to Africa as a missionary. And he began to dabble in the theory of evolution. His son stayed as a half-caste churchianity person and his grandson is an atheist and has had creation and Christianity banned from the schools in Kenya. Isn't it interesting? Beware of false science. It leads you astray. If you're struggling here with the theory of evolution, don't go away without talking further. Talk to Pastor uh, and talk to me. Come and have a look at the materials. Pick up the free things at the end because it is leading you by the nose down the garden path into a pit called hell. And this, of course, is supposed to take millions of years. Any theory that says over millions of years this can happen is not science. Science is where you can actually run a test and you too can take a chihuahua And you can try and mate it with a Great Dane. Well, it's pretty frustrating for the Great Dane, isn't it? Uh, Horribly repressive for the poor little Chihuahua. But you actually can take the male bits and the female bits and put them together and get sort of like a Chihuahua Great Dane. It it does work. Uh, And it doesn't take millions of years. Okay, you ready for the punchline? Because after that, you're going to get a little opportunity to ask me some questions. I am moderately notorious for being politically incorrect. Um, But where being politically correct means not telling the truth, forget it. I'm not interested in that. You may have noticed that God is rarely politically correct, but He's always right. Take after what He does. Real history. Boat, people. Agree? This is a big issue. Immigration. Are the Americans going to let us keep Manus Island? Do we want them in New Guinea? Who's going to take all these immigrants that are coming here? We all started out as boat People. Some of us went, well, maybe the kangaroos hopped here first. Who knows which group got here first? The Aborigines ended up in Australia and we know they walked because they didn't have any big boats after they left the tower. They didn't, did they? I mean, when the Europeans got here, there was not a single big boat anywhere. Amazing. (laughs) Kangaroos. Oh, no, boat people! Because, you see, over the border... The Munanjali group say, we came by boat down the coast and we landed at Evans Head and there were three brothers. One group went that way, one group went that way and one group went that way. And you'll see Middle Brother, South Brother and North Brother mountains named to remind you of this. Amazing. Ah, boat people, by their own admission. Then the Europeans arrived and the Abbo says, oh no, boat people. Yep, we weren't too well received and neither were we too well behaved. And then you and I think we own the place. Oh no, boat people. Some of you remember the Vietnamese? Ah, we forget so easily because now we're up to the Iraqis and everybody else, aren't we? Oh no, boat people, send them back. Now, can I encourage you that none of us have been given land rights except for the people of Israel. Oh, isn't that politically incorrect? Happens to be true. And the only owner of the universe is the only one authorized to give anybody land grants. And he actually said that he would give the land to people who obeyed him and he'd let them give it away or he'd take it off them if they turned away from him. You put that into the context of Australian politics. But if you wondered, because I know there are many Christians who are struggling with, hey, the Muslims are coming and they want to take over and all they need to do is have 10, 12 kids each and within a few years they will have the majority of vote and then they'll vote democracy out and we'll all have to live by Sharia law. Yeah, that's that's their plans, no doubt about it. Um, That's their plan. Do you know what God's plan is? You can't take the gospel to Iraq or Afghanistan so the Lord brings them here where you are, and while you are free to share the gospel, make sure you do. It may mean you have to pick up a Quran and read it, because when they say God, they don't mean God. Oh, yes, they mean a different God. Don't they mean their leader is Allah? And isn't Allah, oh yeah, politically incorrect, isn't Allah a moon god? Yes, it's true. Is He the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? no. Which means if Allah says he is God and yet Jesus is God, I'm sorry, one of them isn't. Are you catching on? Hmm. And then you face the terrible dilemma of having to say, the Bible says there's a small G-O-D God called the devil who's been a liar from the beginning, who wants you to think he is God. If you love the Muslim enough, you will actually be brave enough to put up with rebuke and even persecution in order to love them and tell them about the kingdom of God. That's what all the evidence down under is actually about. That's why we spend time, love, coming over here to remind you that there are many theories and opinions that contradict everything in the Bible, but the facts never do. Okay, punchline. You know the answer now. God is not a name. God is a position. So who is God? Somebody up the back had their hand up. What's, what's the answer, young man? He certainly is the creator, but creator is not a name. Creator is a task, right? So you could say God is love, but that's a function. I want to know God's name. Didn't he come down as a man and didn't the angel say, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins? And isn't it true in the Old Testament The Lord God, Jehovah, says there is no saviour but me. So Jehovah and Jesus are the same being. I am the way, the truth and the life. So don't be surprised I said to this young Hindu who said, Oh, I like that God. This Jesus, he sounds good. I want to add him to my gods. And I said, I'm sorry you can't do that. Oh, but I would like to. I said, it's got nothing to do with what you would like. This God says... I am the only way. You cannot come to God except through me. Oh, I do not like that. There was the problem. He wanted any God who would do as he told the God to do. You do realise that's the characteristic of Hinduism, don't you? That's why they had the little altar and they take food to it. Hey, Mr. God, if I give you free food, you'll give me free blessings. In fact, if I give you more food, you give me more blessing. That's Hinduism. And if you want to know what's ruined India, Hinduism is way up the top of the pile. You want to fix up the problems in India or Australia? Well, I don't know who you vote for, but I suggest who you pray for is all your political leaders or those who want to be. But more importantly, you need to share the fact that this God in Genesis is the same God in John, and now you do have a name. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt in among us, and his name is Jesus. All right, let's take five or six minutes on questions. After I've told you a little bit about some of the freebies—not not freebies there are freebies there. But if you're looking for good end-of-financial-year books, Tower of Babel for the kids, DVDs, I Dig Dinosaurs, Andy Macintosh—really great stuff there. I'd encourage you save money, share them, take ten, give nine away, keep one for yourself.